Wow, I actually wow, got I actually got whoa, bad whoa, feedback. Feedback. Do, 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 I hear do. noise. I hear noises. You hear noises? You hear noises? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay, good. Then we must be in the right place. Are we in the right place? I don't know. It must be Thursday, and I see a pillars of franchising. So uh, you're right. Now that I'm not hearing double myself, because I find that really annoying when I hear double myself. Um, it's Thursday. It's, <laughs> you, go ahead. You want to do it? Thursday, 2 p.m. Yeah. I must be Fred McMurray and different version of the music today. Different, slightly different version, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the tropical music that I've been listening to all week, but it's all right. Yeah, I know, but we both know that Pillars of Franchising music will, once you get it in your head, you never get rid of it. It'll always be there and just until you want to bash your head against the wall. That's what we want people to uh, think about. That uh -huh. way, Pillars of Franchising is the last thing they ever think about as they bash their head against the wall. Let's hope not. Oh, My well, goodness. You know. So, I'm where I am, which is, you know, Grover Beach, California. But yes. somehow, I have this sneaking suspicion you aren't in Bloomingdale. I am not. I'm not even in the country right now. I'm happy to say that I am not in the country right now. And where are you? I am on the beautiful island of St. Martin. I am just on the edge of the Dutch side and the French side. So in other words, neither <laughs> side would let you in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm kind of like in limbo. <laughs> okay. It's a great place to be. It's so beautiful. It's so relaxing. I talked to somebody today and they said, oh, you know, you always go there. And I said, you know, it's a great place to just rejuvenate. And so uh, I love the island. It's a beautiful, balmy 84 degrees here today with nice trade winds coming through. But the poor island has been really, really in need of some tourism. So if there's anybody out there looking for a nice place to go, 37 beaches here in St. Martin that are just dying for tourists since the hurricane and COVID. And there's a lot of great franchises out here. There's a lot of great small businesses. Um, and they just all need business right now. So, Okay, but so given that I could literally go out the front door of the office and walk about eight or nine blocks and hit a beach. Yes. Why do I need to fly anywhere to go to a beach? Well, you may not need to, but I will tell you there's a little bit of a difference here than there. This part of the ocean is significantly warmer than the Pacific. I never go in the water. I just lie on the beach. <laughs> well, you have the beautiful waters of the Caribbean on one side of the island and the rougher yet still beautiful um, uh, beaches of the uh, Atlantic on the other. Again, so. why do I want to fly that many hours to go to the beach? Okay, Fred, so you're probably the only one from Grover Beach. 
<laughs> David understands. Everybody else understands that. That's I. because he lives in Ohio half the time. He has to flee. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So, so we have a good show today. We do. We do. Word on the street is that... Um, Word on the street has been really interesting with respect to past mentees as well as uh, good ideas on connecting startup franchisors with current mentees. Would you like to comment on that or are you going to keep it under the secret? I think I will simply say that I agree with you and I think in the coming days we will be ready to make some big, better announcements that will not only enhance the show, it will make things so much easier for us to help people who are looking to buy a franchise. It will be so much easier and there'll be resources available for people who currently own a business, whether it be franchise or small business, who are looking for coaching and mentoring. Um, we've got some exciting stuff up and coming. Uh, we are welcoming back Elizabeth Denham and hoping that um, she'll be able to help us and join us in the future. And um, today we have Austin Titus with us from the, you're screwing me up with that face, Network Lead Exchange. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot a hat. I forgot a hat. Oh, here we go. Luckily, I have so a hat. Got... That's a nice hat. Sorry, I forgot a hat. What can I say? Ray's not around. <laughs> I forgot the damn hat. So, no, shall Ray I... Is not... Ray has no Wi-Fi in whatever mountain range he's in today. Yeah, I yelled at him for it. I said, next time, make sure Sarah's here to um, be in your place because, you know... We need a pillar in here. Otherwise, we're pillars of franchising minus a pillar. Yes. I think we can handle it, though. Oh, I know we can. It's just none of us are a pillar. So, you know, what can I So, shall we bring everybody what? in? All right. Let's bring them in. Yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Hey, there he is. Hi, Austin. Hi, David. Hey, Kristen. Hello, my beach hat. Since you're at the beach. I know you guys are going to make mine on, huh? Yeah, I was kind of hoping you guys would forget today. Sometimes David forgets and I don't have to wear one, but <laughs> he said, hey, you're at the beach. So guess what I brought? I brought my beach hat. Well, I, I did forget, but then when I logged on, I saw your picture of you in your background. I went, oh, beach. Oh, shoot, hat. Let me go get a beach hat. So exactly. Your fault. So now we match. And we have to get Ray hotspots or something. In today's world, I'm in like a second world country right now. They are just now putting in fiber and I have Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah. But Ray I mean, he has that big beast. We've, we've got to get it outfitted with a hotspot or something. <clears throat> yeah. There's got to be a business out there that can, hope, that can help outfit a coach or motorhome with high-speed internet and so, yeah, it may, and it may and it may already be outfitted and Ray just is not aware of it 
Hey, where's the weather? Weather, weather. When he's not around, we can take those pot shots. So yes, we can because he can't defend himself. It's time for pillars of weather, folks. We got to move the show along. Come on, come on, come on. Pillars of weather. Ray's gone. I'm in Ohio. It's in it's 90 steaming humid degrees, um, and uh, and then it's going to drop 20 degrees after it rains in a couple of days. But right now, it's it's a hot one. It's a steamy one. Good, Austin. How about you? Where are you at? I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida. So just north of uh, the Fort Lauderdale area. And yep. uh, same here. It's really hot, you know. But it rains every day here, and it stays hot. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, we actually flew into Fort Lauderdale right as the building was being evacuated on us. Mm. Well, but you're, you're bragging about your Wi-Fi, and now it's cutting in and out. Yeah. Is it? Oh, you'll see me, but I couldn't see you. So you've heard me talking bad about the, you know, Wi-Fi here. So. Let's get started. I want to know all of this that you have here. You are for the network lead exchange. And I know about your business. Not to tell you what I know. I'd like you to tell me what you think is important for us to know about your business. And tell in the world someone will come up with this idea. Why would you want to start a business in networking? Yeah. So what's different about network lead exchange is well i guess before i go into what's different is first we go into what we are and so we're a business networking and business referral group um and we're similarly structured to you know some of the more traditional business networking groups like dni or you know even the chamber of commerce those types of groups um where members come in and pay a membership fee to be a part of the exclusive group and business owners get to know each other. They exchange referrals, make connections, do business with each other, uh, help each other succeed. Uh, and so what we did to kind of change that up a little bit is we created a more flexible version of that because traditionally the, the BNIs of the world or other networking groups um, would be very strict with required in-person meetings. And if you miss right. meetings, you're fine. You're kicked out of the groups. Uh, what we did is we did a no attendance policy and so no required in-person meetings uh, and also we're a more flexible version as i mentioned before so most of our meetings are virtual uh, and so they could be attended to anywhere um, did you I'll, find mm -hmm. i'm sorry but did you find did you start this you started it before the whole covid scenario right we did we did and that's kind of what is interesting because we started it as that flexible model. A lot of people look at network lead exchange and they, the, those that know the brand would be like, oh, that's the virtual networking group or the right. online networking group. But that's not actually what we intended it for it to be. Um, we created network lead exchange with the idea of just being flexible. Um, and obviously when COVID hit, flexible meant virtual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and so it didn't really change our model because we've always been kind of that hybrid uh, networking group. Uh, and now that you know people are starting to meet again and, and people are craving that in-person interaction, a lot of our groups are going back to a hybrid model, but still flexible, okay. mostly virtual, and uh, the attendance isn't required. Um, awesome. So you can actually 
be a part of the network lead exchange and be in person and or virtual at the same time, like, like the same group can do that? Yes, and so one thing that's unique about our groups is most of them are locally focused, just like a, like a BNI group, most of them. And so we do have national groups as well that you know get members from anywhere, but most of our groups are locally focused. So all the members are pretty close to each other. They can meet up for coffee, for drinks, for a lunch, you know, whatever they want. And so that's why some of them do have meetups in person. Awesome, awesome. So did you find that, find that during, COVID, during COVID that your business increased at all? Yeah, it definitely increased during COVID. And obviously we didn't plan that or anything, but right. the, the business blew up um, just because it was a way more flexible version, which was online or virtual at the time it gave people an opportunity to remain part of these uh, private exclusive networking groups, but have the flexibility, flexibility, um, uh -huh. especially those that, you know, travel and, and have to be doing work on houses and stuff like the contractors and, you know, your, your electrician, your roofer, those types of people as well. Um, because a lot of them will take the meetings from, you know, inside their truck on their, on their cell phone. Um, yeah. And that's perfectly acceptable with network lead exchange. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, I belonged to a couple of networking groups when I first started my business, and um, I was probably the one that was always absent. Actually, it wasn't just me, don't get wrong. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those meetings came at times where I was getting my kids off to school, or I was launching my company in the morning for the girls. Um, or, I mean, even now, I sometimes find it hard because they're like, oh, we're going to have this coffee you know, this coffee meeting or we're going to do lunch. And I'm like, you know, once I get my day started, I find it very hard. Now, throughout my day, I'm on the phone, I'm on the computer, I'm talking to people all day long. So I'm already networking, but having focus time will get fined if I don't show up, that didn't really work. So I'm glad to hear you don't have any fines or punishments for people who don't make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and on top of that, the we found that actually the members are higher quality individuals um, because mm -hmm. of that policy. Because a lot of higher end executives or owners or presidents of companies, they don't want to commit to those networking groups because they know that if they miss a meeting or two meetings, they're going to get kicked out because they don't want to yeah. make a commitment up front. Awesome. So tell me, how many years have you been a franchisor and what made you decide to franchise a business like that? Yeah, so we've been doing this since 2018. Okay. Um, but backing up way before then, you know, as you know, Krista, we're part of United Franchise Group, which is our parent okay. company. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been with United Franchise Group for about seven years now. Okay. Uh, time. And most of Did my Did you start for like 12? Did you start when you were 12? <laughs> no, I started when I was 21. Okay. All right. So now I can do that. Okay. So. <laughs> You look so young. That's what I teach you. You look so young to be in charge of this company. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So United, let me go back to United Franchise Group. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. So United Franchise Group and and some of our larger brands like Fully Promoted and Signorama. Uh, some of our yeah. bigger, that's where most of my background is in that that B two B, you know, business sale. So promotional okay. products, embroidery, screen printing. Uh, graphics, all kinds of stuff like that. And we had a huge part of our training program with those brands that included 
go go out and join networking groups go join bni go join the chamber get involved in your local community and we would always receive feedback uh, over the years and we decided to take the best aspect of all of those different groups and combine it into one and that's where we came up with network lead exchange and so we started that in 2018 uh mm -hmm. and we've been franchi franchising since just around, <clears throat> just around the beginning of 2019. wow and how many franchises do you have today we have 50 franchises sold okay uh, we have 25 groups that are actively having their weekly meetings every single week right now because one of those individuals that have purchased a franchise actually purchased 25 of them and they haven't opened all of them yet. So, uh, okay. Well, I happen to be working with someone who's in the process of buying one of yours, <laughs> which I think, you know, so we won't, we won't um, get too far into that, but, um, and I know she's really excited. And I think the thing I wanted to make sure I pointed out about your, um, your business model is that right now while we see the, corporate exodus, so to speak, happening. There are so many people out there who for their positions, for their jobs, for their careers, they have to do a lot of networking. And um, this individual said, you know, I said, well, what makes you look at this, this business? You know, what makes you interested in it? And she said, you know, the thing is, I realized that my job, my career requires me to do all this networking. And so if I'm going to do it, I might as well get paid for it. And so Tell me what you think about, I mean, like for me, that made a ton of sense and the job she does, um, I mean, this becomes a supplemental income for people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And openly, every single one of my franchise owners for Network Lead Exchange owns another business, every one of them. And so awesome. this was intended to be a supplemental business uh, on top of something else. Um, and so that's, that's exactly, we've, we've actually created the entire system to be that way. You know, the training program is flexible. You know, you don't have to fly somewhere and spend a week or two weeks there because we know you have another business you're running. Right. Uh, do it all virtual. Uh, we actually will, you know, fly to your location if you want, you know, person to person uh, setup. And so okay. it's really, really streamlined that way. All the support as well from the corporate office, we handle all of the technology support. Uh, for the members, you know, if any members having a technical difficulty of any kind, they're not going to contact our franchisee. They're going to contact us uh, because we don't want our franchisees to have to deal with that day-to-day, -day, you know, obstacle of, you know, keeping everybody happy all the time. Yeah, and I would not be the technology person to call if they were having a problem with the website. I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on. So that's really interesting. So, you know, I think the, the thing I like about that is that people aren't necessarily needing to give up or quit a job, or maybe they've been downsized, maybe they've chose a career. Like today, a lot of people are, are, are taking the flexibility of a schedule and the way they're treated in the employment uh, place. Those things are more important than pay. And so if you do something like that, and then you can run this on top, that's not a bad gig, right? Not, not, not at all. And we also, create a path to scale this business with multiple chapters or multiple groups um, where it could be something that you could earn a full-time income on. So okay. There's, there's that option as well. So tell me how you divide this up. Do you divide it? Uh, I know you said you try to do some local stuff and you do some national stuff. How do you determine when somebody wants to buy a franchise 
what this is going to look like or what they want to do? How do you structure that? So this is a, a big part of our training program and on, onboarding. And we tell them, you know, openly, you get to be a little selfish with this. And so we, we take it on a case-by-case -case consultative approach, depending on what their other business is. And so okay. we consult with them and figure out, you know, who are the top five professions that you see yourself doing business with? And so maybe we need to target those five first. And then from there, we have a, a ton of different data that shows, you know, the top 25, top 50, most likely professions to, you know, join business networking groups. And we have, we have groups that go into more of a niche thing. We have, uh, you know, women's groups, women in business groups. We have, um, you know, groups that are, you know, Hispanic, or we have groups that are uh, military background. Um, we have a group in Miami that's 100% attorneys. Uh, and so groups uh, go into certain niches sometimes. We don't make them do anything. Uh, right. You just kind of lean into whatever they're good at. And then, so, I'm sorry, because I just want to piggyback on that, because that's the question that's been rolling around my head since we started is, how, how do you, how, how, how does it get differentiated between what's a local franchisee and what's national? And, and is there maybe a both? Is there an element where it could be both, where we start out locally, but somebody across the country heard about us and they joined since we're doing everything virtually? Yeah, that, that absolutely could happen. And there's, there's no differentiator. You know, when somebody buys a franchise territory, essentially what I tell them is all they're doing is purchasing or, or stopping me from putting another franchise in that certain area. They're not restricted for any type of marketing or anything like that. So they can get members anywhere. Uh -huh. so we do have groups that are kind of half local and half national uh, all over the place, but usually they kind of lean into a specific niche and, and go into it. Cause you know, if you're going for a local group, if everybody's local, that that's going to give you more benefits. For example, if the, the people that are talking about before, you know, your electrician and your roofer and, those, guys, those people aren't going to benefit from a lot of those other national type businesses. Right. Um, but there's sure. definitely a place for it. So what do you, what do you, I, I know you said you've got somebody who's kind of already planned on, on doing 25, but with the size and age of your franchise right now, do you envision there to be an ideal size in terms of territory? Yeah, so the territory that we put together for franchisees is 3,000 businesses. Uh, okay. And it's really more than 3,000 businesses because we take a lot of criteria. We make it have, you know, uh, X, X amount of years old with, you know, a couple of employees and that type of stuff. So it's really much more than 3,000 businesses. Okay. Um, and in that territory, they can put multiple chapters. So the franchisees own the territory and then they can actually build multiple chapters within their territory. Um, all they, they can do is, what they can do as well is appoint a president, uh, which many of our groups are doing when they want to scale and build multiple chapters. They're not actually running all these groups themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they might do that in the beginning, but they'll start to appoint a chapter president to facilitate the group for them. And that way they're not, they're not doing, you know, 13 different networking meetings a week, right? That's yeah, why no. you're... No, that'd okay. be a little crazy. I mean, we have some people that do a few, but uh, doing that many is a lot. And the, the president position is very simple. It's a volunteer position. Um, okay. People are willing to do it because they want to be that person. 
it's a, there's a lot of benefits to being the person that's front of sight, front of mind, and the leader of the group. Those people sure. always get the most referrals. And so people want to volunteer to do that. So can you tell me, um, just kind of, I know that it's a little tricky, but how do franchise owners with network lead exchange make money? Yeah, um, that was my question. Very good. So there's Great. the indirect revenue stream of your business. And so mm -hmm. every single one of the, the individuals that have purchased a network lead exchange franchise, they have their business in mind as well. They use network lead exchange as a marketing tool to grow their business. And so that's the indirect revenue stream that okay. everybody is really most interested in. Number two is membership fees. And so our annual membership fees cost $699 per year per member. And the franchisee keeps 75% uh, of that. And we take okay. a 25% royalty. Okay. Well, now, and on the surface, right, when you say 25% royalty, I go, what? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me why I shouldn't be nervous about that. Because this business has virtually no carrying costs. And so you don't have any employees, you don't have any other expenses to cover, except for our technology fee that we have, but the technology mm -hmm. fee scales with your number of members. Okay. Uh, so it directly correlates there. And so with this business, you don't have equipment, you don't have any employees. Like I said, even that president uh, role is a volunteer position. Usually we okay. give them a discounted membership fee. Um, but that's a volunteer position. You're not paying for an employee at all. And so okay. most of that 75% is profit. And so this ends up being a more profitable business than a retail franchise that has a six to 8% royalty. Right. And you don't for this, right? I mean, this can be in your bed, located in your bed, office, wherever, right? You don't space for this so there's yeah, really you don't, need, you don't need a space at all you know usually people run it out of their other business whether they have a space for their other business or an office for their other business or run their business from home um, there's there's nothing we don't require anything that's for sure so okay so the, the, ob the obvious answer to this question is networking but how do they acquire members <laughs> to join yeah. the network lead exchange so we do we do national marketing here corporately. Uh, we host a lot of national networking calls where we get interest from all over the country. Uh, we host regional uh, networking events too that are more in person. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a great way for us to recruit members. And openly, a lot of our franchisees already have a handful of connections going into this. So now, are the franchisees required to pay into that uh, fund that you're doing nationally? Uh, do you have a are they required to spend a certain amount to advertise to get some, uh, some lead? Yeah, and it, it's just 1% of the fee? 1% of their uh, membership fee, 1% of their revenues. Right. Okay, okay, excellent. Well, I'd like to go ahead. Um, Fred has pinged me that we have to pay the bills, which is what we have to do around here. So when we come back, though, I'm interested in knowing, uh, interested in knowing more um, how you go about getting people who want to buy into the network lead, lead exchange. What do you find to be most effective? Um, how do you go about 
you know, getting people to know your brand. So we'll come back to answer those questions right after commercial. Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. We're back with Austin Titus of Network Lead Exchange. Thank you for being with us today, Austin. I'm trying to get some answers on all these people in corporate America are shifting and changing and they have LinkedIn, right? That's probably the number one tool most people use, but how do you get to them to let them know about Network Lead Exchange and how they could build a supplemental business on top of what they're doing? How do you find those folks? Yeah, I, I do a lot of uh, social media advertising uh, with Network Lead Exchange and a lot of uh, LinkedIn um, specifically to that. Uh, and so it, it comes a lot organically um, with, with our advertising. And believe it or not, with this business, we're getting a lot of people that, you know, come from existing chapters and they okay. see the potential with Network Lead Exchange and they see the open territory, the availability, and they want to start one themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a lot of traction in uh, the franchise world just because they understand franchising already. And so what I mean by that is a lot of our franchisees are franchise owners of other brands. Right, uh, right. And so, cause it's an easy add on to an existing business and it's a franchise. So those individuals are probably networking already, or they're probably, you know, being preached to by their franchisor to join networking groups and, you know, get involved in the community and they understand franchising. So that's that's a huge part there, uh, the organic piece, but in a lot of social media advertising. Austin, I was curious, you mentioned, you know, a kind of a wide array of businesses, business owners, um, previously from electricians to contractors to attorneys. Is there one group that you've seen that may be more successful in acquiring and, and, and networking than others? Um, yeah, I would say the most successful group that I've seen is the B2B business owners. Um, more specifically, like your B2B uh, retail business owners, actually. Um, the ones that have locations. Uh, and so, you know, for, you know, I, I keep using our own brands, but for example, like a Sinorama or a fully promoted, those types of businesses, I have other companies that are not affiliated with us that, you know, that own network lead exchange franchises like Speed Pro uh, and Minuteman Press. Um, and so there's, there's plenty of them out there that are interested in network lead exchange. Um, 
but yeah, that, that's, that's a really good niche, but it really breaks down to three different groups. There's your B2B retail and business services group, which is the group that I just mentioned. You've got your freelance professionals over here, which would be like your accountant, your attorney, you know, that type of stuff, your real estate agent. Um, and then uh, in the middle, you've got your contractors, like I mentioned, your electrician, your roofer. Usually groups go into one of those directions. They usually don't have, you know, a, a perfectly balanced amount of everybody in the group. They usually lean into one of those buckets and just grow that way, just because those people mostly know each other. Right. So. Is this, um, and, and I'm very, I'm going to ask the question delicately, and I know that you have to answer it very delicately as well, because, um, the, you know, in, in this industry, things can't be disclosed um, for certain reasons, but ballpark uh, for an average person who wants to open one or two of these, would you say their supplemental income is between 20 and 40, 50 and 70? Like how much a year should somebody be thinking that they might be able to actually make off something like this? Ballpark. Yeah, yeah. and it's in the lower bucket of what you just mentioned because- okay. You can, you can actually do the math. This is, this is an, a very unique business. It's not like a, you know, a retail business where you have to calculate your you know, expenses, your payroll, your rent, and all of that stuff. This, this you can calculate the membership fee times mm -hmm. how many members you, know, you have in the group. And you can kind of put together a business plan and a business goal for yourself. Right. Uh, and so depending on how many members you want to have. So, and, and that's a great question. We're going to just keep tiptoeing around this whole thing. What is that? <laughs> minds want to know. <laughs> what, so, is a, what is a, an average, I mean, what is an average sized group? In the, yeah, so if, our groups are anywhere from, I, I call the smaller groups, like the 10 to 15 members. And you've got the medium groups that are like 20 to 25 members. And you've got the larger groups that are, 30 to 40. But usually before they get to be a large size group, they want to start another chapter because that's the point where they start to get multiple or, or duplicate inquiries for the same profession. Because yeah, you start to dilute yourself, right? I mean, that's exactly, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So in, in each subsequent location, they're paying an additional franchise fee. So only if they want to expand their franchise territory they can actually start another franchise or another, sorry, another chapter yeah. or group within their franchise territory um, right. just for an additional, you know, setup fee. And that's a thousand dollars. It's just, if they want to acquire another territory, then that's an additional fee. Yes. And, and as far as the 3000 businesses, that means that territory, if you're more rural, that could be a very large area. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to uh, Chicago or New York, where it might be one city block, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those would be very different. Okay. Do you do you make accommodations? Because David, I think that's a really good point. If you, you know, if I were to do something in Chicago, right, one city block might really be all that I can get, right, for that one fee, versus you know David's out in you know Timbuktu, Ohio, right. <laughs> <laughs> and and so he can get a lot more uh, you, you know I, the Area. thing is you understand right the penetration of the market you know you have you know 
16 businesses and 3,500 miles and I've got, you know, 16 businesses and, you know, 200 yards. So right. how do you, do you work with your franchisees on if they're in an urban setting versus suburban? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a 3000 business count minimum. And so, okay. you know, when it's all said and done, a lot of times our territories end up being 5,000 business counts or so just, just because of the scenario you just mentioned, we want to okay. give them at least a, a sizable, you know, physical territory to work. Right. With. Okay. Well, I, I'm hearing something in the background. I don't know what it is. I think Fred's playing uh, sound. Is he, maybe he's playing video games. Maybe that's what. <laughs> so Austin, I think this is a very interesting business model that you have. So tell people out there, because a lot of them are, are probably thinking, huh, I could actually do this, but what does it take? So what do you have to have liquid? What do you have to have um, in terms of capital? How long should it take to break even? I know that's kind of silly based on, you know, the business model, but can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, liquid capital, we don't have any other expenses besides, you know, the franchise fee. Uh, with okay. the and so we only require that they have $10,000 in liquid capital. Um, and then on top of that, the, you know, the ramp up to, to break even to this, you know, we've seen it in, in as fast as a month. Um, because, you know, if you do the math, with, with the uh, $10,000 franchise fee, you know, it takes about 18 members to cover that whole franchise fee. Okay. So when we run into somebody who has a lot of existing connections already, that is very easy to achieve very quickly. Okay. Um, but, you know, sometimes it takes a couple of months because maybe someone's not as well connected. But for the majority of the time, it's very, very quick. Uh, and, and as fast as the, the franchisee wants to. Okay, interesting. And uh, so what is the best way? I mean, David, before I, I find out all his contact stuff, do you have any other thoughts or questions on this? No, I think, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, that was the final piece that I was going to ask was um, really curious on, on the startup costs. I mean, I get the fee, but to probably have some advertising costs you're going to throw into the thing and try to acquire unless you're well connected to begin with, but still very low entry fee to, to get going and, uh, and try to recoup the investment quickly. Yeah. I know the gal that I'm talking to who Austin is also talking to you, you know, she and I, uh, she's asking for some advice on it. And, you know, we kind of talked through the differences between going with the people that she knows in her particular field and then, you know, oh, she could probably do a women's group. And then, you know, you just brought up something like a trades group, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, there really are, when you think about networking, there are so, it's like a spider web, right? And there's so many different groups that you could connect. And it's just getting people to realize that they need a group like this uh, to help their businesses. And I think it's important for people who have a business to realize that not only can you be at break even, very quickly, right? Um, but you're doing this anyway. A lot of us are doing the networking anyway. So um, for a little bit of money out, it quickly comes back and here now you've built more networks. So um, I find it very interesting. Um, tell us, uh, because we've got a lot of people out there who are writing up notes down as they listen, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? So best way for people to get in touch with me 
um, you can actually email me. I'll, should I leave my email in the comments maybe? Um, or if people are listening to a recorded, I could, you can go uh, email me at Austin Titus, A-U-S-T-I-N-T-I-T-U-S at ufgcorp.com. That's UFG as in United Franchise Group and Corp as in corporation.com. Uh, or you can visit our website, networkleadexchange.com, uh, and go on there. Our information on there as well. You can always reach out to us there and, and, and get a hold of me that way. Awesome. Well, I really uh, wish you luck in, in your growth projections. And it sounds like you've got people out there chomping at the bit who are ready to go. Um, I know the gal I'm talking to is, and as I said, she's ready for her first one. She's got ideas for the next couple. So I think that's really exciting. And she's a really smart, energetic, driven woman. So I know that she'll do well for you. Um, we will have all of your contact information that you've provided to us on our website, along with social media links. So if somebody's interested in checking out the Network Lead Exchange, it can all be found at the Pillars of, Web, uh, Pillars of Franchising website. Excuse me. And I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. We look forward to catching up with you again in the future and see how your growth plans have worked out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great You're stuff. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And right, now... Jeff, Commercial, yeah, I know, I know. Play the commercial, yeah, let me alone. <laughs> the Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And we're, you and David are back. Yeah. David. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. So, you know, with everything we've been talking about for the last, I don't know how many months about employee issues, startup costs, and if somebody's looking for something that says hey i need something a low entry fee without relying on employees everything's up to me sounds like a pretty good solution for an awful lot of people that are in that mindset for sure yeah that you can have so let's say we wanted to have you know i really like the the low end nice um if you indeed are already connected it helps you get to break even much more quickly and start mm -hmm. and then if you multiple chapters for thousand um, dollars what a great way to then empower someone to be the president of that chapter and again it just is all supplemental income so i think that's really awesome it seems pretty easy to scale absolutely very interesting i enjoyed it enjoyed learning about it and yeah. their number one thing that he started off with is the exact reason why i've never joined a BNI or a business group or any of those things, because 
the way my schedule was, there's no way I could absolutely commit to seven o'clock every morning to every Tuesday. I mean, or whatever the case was. And I, I went, you know, I, I love the idea. I was always asked and I went, I, I can't, it's too stringent for me. Too stringent. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, a, was a referral network dropouts. I kind of fired myself because I could never be there. And then when I was there, they were like, Oh, you made it this time. And I'm like, okay, I don't need that pressure. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> That's you right. know, I have three kids under eight. Yeah. I had good intentions. I didn't know about these unintended consequences, That's and I'm right. ruining my reputation, right? That's I get it. Right. That's right. What have you got for us? You have some fun stuff for us today. Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm always big on the coaching part, right? always big on the leadership, always big on that stuff. And, and so, I, you know, I've touched on this throughout the time, but, you know, it's really been on my mind because, you know, I think I heard it from somebody else, whatever, and they said, yeah, I, could, I think it was actually my own sister. So I, I coached this person on something in her job. And then she went on and told me how she did that. And I realized that isn't coaching at all, right? And so I, I believe in the person who trained me has kind of embedded this in my brain. And that's that, that coaching is the most misunderstood, misused word, I think, in any management slash leadership um, you know, uh, vernacular there is. And, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to break it down for everybody that's listening, make it really easy, because we talk about the employee situation. And if you don't have a grasp on becoming a great leader, you're going to always struggle with your employee situation. We know there's a dearth of employees, but how can you get the best performance out of those that you do have? And that's great. where coaching comes in. So I always break it down into this, you know, there's, there's, there's a, telling right people and that's more of a management thing i'll and tell you what to do that's going to get you short-term action it's going to get you limited results that's really manipulation people who are always telling their employees what to do telling others what to do here's what i'm telling you and that was the other word my sister happened to use was i told them what to do really well if you're telling somebody what to do that's a form of manipulation because you're really using leverage of your position mm -hmm because they, they have no choice. They have to do what you told them to do, but it's sure. really a short-term action. It's going to get you limited results because the person's not thinking They're, they've just become robotic. And I'm not saying there's not a point in time when that may be necessary, but right. it's a small percentage. So I'll throw out less than 10% of the time. If you're one of those that are always telling people what to do, better rethink it because you might get quick action but it isn't long lasting and those people are like you know what i'm tired of being told what to do see you later well, and you know good point because there also are different ways that people learn right mm -hmm. so some people hear by seeing some people learn by hearing and some people learn by hearing seeing and doing so if you're just telling somebody and they're not one of those learners who can just listen and get it you may be missing the mark anyway Absolutely. So that leads right in perfectly to what my next thing is the next thing that I think is a huge mistake because it really should be a small percentage. But again, we go back to this misunderstanding of the word coaching and uh -huh. it gets lumped in with training and mentoring and this and well, let me explain that. Training is just the sharing of information, right? You're, you're, you're teaching somebody that's, that that's training. You're sharing the information. Okay. When you focus on teaching as your leadership um, style, you know, you, you, you're, you're really communicating what you know, 
right? right? And it's the same thing with mentoring. Mentoring is sharing your experience. Again, not coaching. A lot of people use those interchangeably, coaching and mentoring. And I'm going to explain the difference here in a second. But mentoring, training, um, teaching, those all fall under, here's what I know I'm going to impart on you, my wisdom, right? And then my experiences and those types of things. However, sure. coaching, coaching, coaching is completely different because it engages, it engages the person that you're coaching, right? And basically it's asking questions and listening. True coaching is asking questions and it's and, and listening because you get they get to tap into their own knowledge and experience. They get a a, a, a bigger source of commitment. And most, I mean, this is extensive training that I used to do with my managers. Is a lot of people have a difficult time making that leap, you know, from um, teaching to coaching because we feel good about ourselves. We're sharing our experience. We're sharing our knowledge. Right. Nobody so, got on when I was learning how to ride a bike. Nobody got onto the bike and showed me how to do it. They kind of put me on, started with some training wheels, and said, "Go for it." And then when I ran into a tree, they said, "Okay, what are you going to do to avoid the tree steer. next?" <laughs> we forgot to tell you how to steer. <laughs> right, you know. So and teaching feels good, right? We feel good that we 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 help somebody. Right. But to get true, true, true performance out of somebody and long-lasting results. You have to master the art of coaching. And to master the art of coaching is, is, again, it goes back to, you know, future performance. And it goes back to, um, you know, the ability to influence others. Because that's what leadership is, right? Everything rises and falls on leadership. And leadership is, is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So the greatest way to influence somebody is, is through coaching. So, so basically, it's, it's the difference between, you know, you know, um, what you know and what they know, right? And it's right. up to a coach. A great coach is going to get out of their coachee, you know, their best performance and then and a committed performance. So, you know, for most coaches, and I know you do this, and a lot of people coach very well, we look at the potential of a person as opposed to their current or past performance. So sure. When you can when you can extract the person's potential, you've succeeded as a coach. As you know, and, and again, this is athletics, this is everything. As you as you know, I think we mentioned before, I coached college baseball for 10 years. And now I also help mentor other coaches who have kind of coached <laughs> on me and with me. But but he he asked me, you know, we were texting back and forth. He was in a tournament and he said something. And I said, Look, I said, a coach's sole job is to get their athlete, their, their employee, their um, manager, whatever, to reach their potential. If we reach, if, if they reach their potential, everything else takes care of itself. So if you don't have that ability to get somebody to reach their potential, then, uh -huh. then you're failing as a leader. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Sure. I, don't, I don't mind saying what it is. And you're probably, it's probably because you're doing too much teaching or too much telling or, or too much sure. managing, you know, um, can I make that switch? Now, it's not as easy as listening to me saying this right now. You actually have to kind of train and go through it. And, and that's why I trained all 45 of our managers on, on these types of things. Um, and that's how they got, you know, better performance. It's a difference between management style and a leadership style. Sure. And I think, you know, I think about my own employees too. And again, you know, that's unskilled labor, but it's, it's still people. 
And so I think that you kind of, for me, I found it to be kind of an evolution, right? And again, touching on all that, you know, they, they see it, they hear it, and then they go out and do it. And you're kind of taking those steps with them, right? So you're telling them and then you're showing them and then you're saying, okay, let's go do it. And you show me what you can do. And you tell me like, so what else do you think? And start having them think on their own about, you know, I really like the way we did this, but I would like to do, you know, even more things or different things or whatever the case may be. And so I think for some people, if you're a new manager or you have new employees, in some cases, it's difficult to start out just as a coach because you have to be a teacher, you have to be a leader. And, you know, I think part of um, being effective is that you have to realize where you are or where your employee is so that you meet them where they're at. To a point, help. to a point, I agree with that to a point. The only thing now it changes, all, all training is, all learning is done at the subconscious level. So the only way you can get results is you have to change people at their level of behaviors, right? So, right. E so even if you have a brand new employee, it's just a matter of understanding how to reach in that subconscious, uh, their subconscious mind to cement the learning, right? And that can be as simple as, as you're going through a little bit of both, right? You, you know, you're training, you're teaching, and then mm -hmm. you're asking questions along the way. And that you, you had a great question is, is what did you, you know, what, what can we do better? What did you learn from this? And then at the end of any training session, at the end of any coaching session, if you just ask, and this is the one that is so simple. And you, if, if, if they wrote, if everybody wrote this down and said, after everything, if you just asked this question, you would get better results from anyone you talked to. And that is what's most useful for you. What was out of, out of everything we went over, what was most useful for you? What that does is it forces them to think about what they learned, how they want to go about it, and then they have to repeat it. And that strengthens their level of commitment. Yeah. So if, as, 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 a, as, as a coach, there's a couple of questions. I would also, one of my famous questions I always ask is, as we're problem solving is, well, what do you think? Okay, they give you an answer. And what else? What other options are there? And what else can we do? And it starts sure. to generate that. Then at the end, you know, and, and what was most useful for you from this conversation? And I, I, that is that is the simplest question to ever ask. And know that that time that you spent with that individual was not wasted because right. it's going to force them to, to, to tell you what they learned. And if they, and if they didn't get what you kind of wanted them to get, you can go back mm -hmm. to the process. And if they do, and you know, it was most useful, well, I really, I really, I really understand the way we're doing this, this, and this. Perfect. You're good. And Absolutely. it's meant their commitment because they said to you, they, they went from the subconscious to their conscious, it came out of their mouth. I get right. it. So. Right. Awesome. Well, I sure thank you. And we appreciate always all the coaching tips and tricks and of the yeah. trade that you share with us. And we'll be looking forward to next week hearing more of the coaching advice that you have for us and our listeners. So awesome. thank you. You're welcome. And Fred, I see another face. Hi, Jerry. Greetings, Kristen. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. And you know what? I'm always better after listening to my friend, David. I know, right? He's very invigorating. I have spent my entire life leading people and coaching and mentoring and those kinds of things. And yet every week 
I'm enthralled when he starts talking about some of the things that he does. So kudos yeah. to David. He's a great asset for our group and uh, really enjoy listening to him. Yeah, I think because he has so much passion for what he talks about, he just exudes it even yeah. over even over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. He just keeps he keeps giving me new things all the time. And I just I just make notes over here on the side about everything I learned from my friend David. So that's um, awesome. Well, you know, and Titus, uh, Mr. Titus Austin was great, too. And he used a term that I've used for years and years and years. And it's one of my favorite business related terms. And that is connected. Yeah, connected. And people uh, in general don't give that that word enough credence, enough value. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in the business world in any way, shape or form, that connected is the number one thing you need to focus on because tremendous things come from being connected, right? Right. And this is all about networking. And you know me, I'm shy and introverted, so it's tough for me to network with people. <laughs> but I have spent my life making connections. Uh, my family jokes that I could walk into a Walmart somewhere else in the world. And before I check out, I've got a new friend there. And that's, that's pretty realistic. Yeah. So that's funny but, because my kids get embarrassed by that behavior in me. Mom, why do you always have to talk to people? Yeah. Because interesting, right? I have recruited people stocking shelves, people checking me out at the gas station, and waitresses to be hairstylists <laughs> before. That's and awesome. my, my family goes nuts when I do that, so I feel your pain. You know, <laughs> but talking about the word connected and networking and those kinds of things, I, I got to tell you a quick story because I want people to understand just how powerful that word and that process is. And this is my own experience. And I'll kind of go down a couple rabbit holes to beat Fred to the punch here. Um, so I actually got my first franchise, got into franchising because of networking. I had a connection. I had, uh, I think I owned parts of about 12 different businesses when I had this connection. And I was actually coaching a business broker to help him put his uh, listings in the best light when he was making presentations on them. So every week he would buy me breakfast and bring a case study and we'd talk about it. And at some point in time, he said, hey, would you ever consider another business? And I said, you know, I gave him the parameters and next week he brought great clips to me. And, nope. uh, and I said, no, I'm not doing hair. And here we are 17 years later, soon to have 42 locations or something like that. I'm in love with the brand and what it stands for and what it does. And, it and you was, have great hair. And you have great hair. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I have access to great people and great products. So it makes Maybe. my hair, which is terrible hair, actually look good. So anyhow, he connected me. And if I wouldn't have that connection with him and if he wouldn't have brought it up, I wouldn't be where I was at today in, in lots of things because now we're in a business that is going to impact three generations of my family at a minimum. And it was because of that one tiny connection that most people would have blown off. And it's really fun because it snowballs. So let me tell you uh, how that goes. So then we started growing our organization through organic growth, but also through, also through acquisitions. And every one of my acquisitions was a connection I made and in my networking with other franchisees. And, you know, the message was always, I love you. I want you to stay in the business forever. But if you ever get to the point you want to go out, give me a call. And sure. some of those things went on for 10 years. It, 
cost me a small fortune in mixed drinks, but at this point in time, <laughs> we've, we've had a lot, of, uh, a lot of acquisitions. And through those connections, I made the connection that allowed me to buy my next franchise model. And through those connections, I was able to find franchisees to buy licenses under that next franchise model. So when you really get serious about networking and creating connections, your entire world changes and it gets way simpler. And I'll even take it to another level. You know, we've made connections that lead to great contractors who build out our, our business because we have a relationship with them before Welcome we Welcome to Blog Talk so Radio. Really Please hold and you'll be able uh, to we, listen we to the show. We learn who they are and what they do and who they work for and maybe even get some testimonials. And I've gotten employees because of those networking connections because somebody will say, oh, you, you own Great Clips. I have a friend or a relative who's a stylist. I'd I like to connect you. Great, let's have a conversation. So it just goes on and on and on. And it all starts with that one tiny little connection. Isn't it amazing? It's kind of like the old shampoo commercial, right? He told two friends and then she told two friends and, and that's really, right? I think it's very interesting because I was telling someone today, I was um, talking with someone from a different show and I said, it's amazing even what the four of us tend to do for each other. And then you add in Fred with all of his networking connections and it's like, geez, anybody could ask you for something. You'd be like, you know, if I don't know, let me just find out because I got a guy, right? And everybody <laughs> wants a guy, especially if you're from where I'm from, I got a guy. So I think it's awesome. And, and I really do believe that you are spot on with never hesitating to talk to somebody who doesn't look like you, who doesn't work where you work, who doesn't do the same things that you do, who, you know, because those people have so much to offer and you never want to miss an opportunity for another connection. Well, and, you know, I am, I kind of, have an internal library, if you will, of those connections, right? A database. Uh -huh. I'm too old to really use spreadsheets very well and things like that. I let, I, I know a guy, so I let other people do you all that tech stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but this isn't bad. I mean, ignore the gray hair. It's still not bad. So I make those connections for future reference. I yeah. make them for the right reasons because I really love people and I like to know what they do and who they are and who they know just because I'm interested. But the fact mm -hmm. is, if you if you plug that all in somewhere, at some point in time, there will be some fruit that comes off of that vine, right? Yeah. And absolutely. everybody loves it because when you make a connection and later on you're able to use that connection to fill a hole somewhere, then that creates another connection that many times circles back to your original connection and they get something out of it. And it becomes this really big machine that becomes a very positive influence in everybody's life and business. Yeah, absolutely. That is such great advice, Jerry. And I really enjoy um, the way you describe different people. And, you know, it just makes me think about this whole network lead exchange and how you can, I'll use the word manipulate in a good way, but to serve certain communities of connections. <laughs> Right. So whether it's I love the trades connection, like that one is a really cool idea for me. I'd love to be able to have a guy that I could call and say, hey, I need a plumber, I need an electrician and just have somebody. So I'm so glad that it's worked out so well for you. You and your family are so fortunate to have the hat to have what you do. And it's all really I 
believe due to your great personality and saying hello to people at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass it along to my family, Kristen. Yeah, a little more than that, but nonetheless. <laughs> so very good. Very good. Anything else you have for us today, my friend? You know, uh, I'm going to keep beating the drum for franchising because it's a great time to get into franchising or expand your franchise model or buy do acquisitions or whatever. Um, you have it's more than just you. You're not alone. You've got lots of support and help. And even as experienced as I am every day, I have need for somebody else to help me or to explain something to me or to point me in the right direction. And when you have whether it's the networking piece and all those connections, or it's your franchise brothers and sisters, you've, you've got a friend, you've got somebody out there yeah. that'll help you with it. So if you're looking at businesses, you're considering buying into a business or starting a business, at least do yourself the favor of consider, considering a franchise because it is so much easier and better and literally more bulletproof than anything else you can do out there. So give it a thought. And when you've got this group here, the Brain Trust, you can always reach out to us to ask questions before you do something. So use us, help us help you. Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. And by that, he means visit pillarsoffranchising.com. Fred, are you taking us down the hole today? Yes, I am. <gasps> okay. So I'm afraid. Here's the, we're, we're in the matrix today. And we've discussed several times about how you're seeing more and more technology um, replacing workers as minimum wage goes up you're already seeing McDonald's put in huge number of kiosks where you can order and avoid the line and still wait a long time um, for a Diet Coke so my question is is Let's mm -hmm. assuming this keeps going over and over and, and and technology keeps coming in deeper and deeper and deeper. Would you be willing to give a let's say an HRAI the ability to fire no. people? Um and how would you program it? Would it be the blunt you're out of here or you're fired or would it be the touchy feely oh that's okay you'll find something else how would you program it because after all it's not you're not getting the human touch in hr it's just an ai so how would you program the ai to fire people first i know I two points i know david Fred? would say i'm going to train it so i never have to but <laughs> so you don't get that one it's you're gonna have to fire them go ahead jerry jump on it two things I am a touchy-feely person, and with my employees, they're part of my family, so in the near future, there will be no AI involved in that kind of HR stuff. That's all between us, because they're part of my family, and if I got to kick one of my kids off the island, I'm going to do it myself. Nobody else is going to do it. But the second thing is, if I ever got to the point where I had to train AI to do it, I would literally give them the information that I have, and I would do have them do it similar, because... Um, if it comes to the point where you have to terminate somebody, uh, I believe it's data points that drive that. It's uh, not fulfilling whatever the expectations are. Uh, literally, that's generally not numbers. That's related more towards uh, showing up for work on time and, and those kinds of things. So 
And generally in our world, they're warned several times before they actually get fired. So it's literally a cascading effect. And AI can handle cascading effects and data points really easy. So there's not a lot of training. It's just giving it to them. And the final thing is you list the things that, uh, that they have agreed to do, that they failed to do, that they've been warned at, uh, three times about. And then you tell them you're going to miss them. And they say, what do you mean? And I go, I'm going to wish you well at your next job. And no, Kristen, tears don't work at that point in time. Tears had to work a long time ago. So there you have it. There's my AI conversation, Fred. Okay, Jerry's Jerry's starting the program. It's real simple. Nobody gets fired. Everybody fires themselves, right? So there isn't a manager or an an owner alive that is going to fire somebody who's great for their business and a great employee. So they would have to log on or something through AI and answer a series of questions about their performance and it's just going to spit out whether or not they are a great employee or they fired themselves i'm I'm adamant about that i know there's exceptions there's people out there going oh so and so got fired and he was a great employee i get that sometimes there's monetary reasons for letting people go but especially today if you have a great employee you are hanging on to them with dear life you're not you're not firing anybody so everybody always fires themselves they can easily have an idea of what is required of them and whether or not they're accomplishing what they're supposed to accomplish. And then they can hit the red button or they can hit the button, hit enter, and it comes up with a big red X or a, or a green, green, you're good. So. <laughs> That's where I'm at with that. I'm, so far, I'm just wondering about the avatar that Jerry would use. Would it look like him? Would it try to give digital hugs? Um, David, you're digital much more, hugs. you're out of here. You're tot, toast. I like that. Here's here's why you're out. You're out. Jerry, I can see like, well, I'm going to give you a digital hug. And, and... so Kristen, what about you? <laughs> well, back in the day before I had uh, as much experience, I'll call it. <laughs> we'll just go with that word. Um, we used to we used to joke that people were going to be promoted to customers. What was going to happen? So um, the problem with that is I'm sure that they probably turned into nightmare customers after an event like that. But um, so I sometimes feel bad because my son takes my phone and he's like, "Siri, you're stupid," and she's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you upset," or you know, or "Hey Alexa," and the kids are messing with these AI tools already, right? And they apologize. And so I kind of feel like a little to Jerry's point, like if AI is going to have at least a surface level um, set of feelings, then I guess our managing AI machines will also need to have some of those. Um, As much as um, I used to like the term you're fired, um, I don't think I could use that term anymore. And um, I really think that, um, you know, not being a good fit is a really good um, way to say it. I think saying that um, your talents could probably be used better somewhere else Those is not cute. a bad way to say it, right? Yeah, that's cute. That's soft. Yeah. And or, you so, could say, or you could say, hey, you know what? It's, you're not a good fit here, so go ruin somebody else's business. <laughs> I See? may have used that at some point in time, David. I won't claim it, but I may have. Yeah, David, I you're mean, rocking it today. All you missed was I, that. 
You're out of here. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, firing people is my absolute least favorite thing to do. Um, but there have been a few that, uh, to David's point and Jerry's point, you know, listen, we it should never be a surprise, right? That's, no, that's where never. we have trouble, if it's a surprise. It should never yeah. be a surprise. They they know, they've been talked to, they've been warm, warned, they've probably been put on probation. And, you know, if they still can't get it done or execute what it was that they weren't doing, I kind of just can't keep them around. I mean, really, because it has a negative effect on everybody else. So who knows? I just hope this AI thing doesn't come to, to into yeah. before I, you know, I'm ready to retire because I don't know that I can handle it. I know, I know Fred's portraying me as like, hey, you're fired, but that's the least <laughs> that's the least thing we do. You know, I mean, we don't we don't come anywhere around that. But really, what, what Kristen said is is a thousand percent is a thousand percent accurate. And and what I used to tell everybody is I said, if you know what to do and you're capable of doing it, that means there's only one of two things left. You either don't want to do it, you're not doing it or you're not capable or you're telling me to kind of kiss off. Yeah, you've self-selected yourself out of the job. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that, that's really all it is. I mean, nobody wants firing, but nobody wants to get rid of great employees. I mean, it never is going to happen. But there's a, we could have a whole discussion on this, but you got to be careful that you, you keep some of the old, old saying, one bad apple spoils the bunch is yep. <laughs> thousand times true, and you got to be careful with that. So, no, I'm not I'm not an ogre that just says you're firing, get off by that. That just means we screwed up on the hiring is what that means. That's if right. we fired somebody, we made a mistake. Well, so, to David, to your point, I think in the world we live in today, um, we times change. So yeah. if you've got an employee that's been with you for a little while, their life may have changed, their personal life, their home life, uh, the needs of their family, all those kinds of things. And that's dragging them down. And you might have made a great hire at one point in yeah. time, but because yeah. of what's going on in their world, it's gotten to the point where they can no longer function in the job. And for whatever reason, they won't quit. And so sometimes you have to help them go take care of things. And by the way, Kristen, to your point and my little uh, my little movie comment for today is we use double secret probation, too. So <laughs> Dean Warmer I, strikes know. again. You kind of look yeah. like him if you took the beard off, you know, you did. I think I have to think of something now, Jerry, that you that you've uh, said what you did that is we've outgrown each other. Right. Ooh. Yeah. So. All right. Quick follow-up here. Would you rather have the AI oh, do the hiring or the firing? Ooh. Ooh. Ouch. Hiring, because they can't see into the person's heart. I mean, firing, because you need a human. <laughs> the human needs, you got to be able to look in that person's heart and the hire. 100%. Okay. Kristen? Well... Yeah, I guess the old exit interview is okay. I guess they could fire them because there is a lot that you can tell about a person in the interview process. There are a lot of nuances and body language that immediately, it gets the hair on my back standing up sometimes and I'm like, this is not gonna work or I get goosebumps because I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's gonna be perfect. Kristen just talked about hair on her back. I just yeah. I on, on that one, that's enough. Yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> we can only go downwards from here. So at that point, 
I want to thank everyone for being on the show. Our guest, Austin Titus from uh, National Lead Exchange. I Jerry, David, Kristen. It's been a weird show, as usual. We'll be back next week with hopefully another educational, entertaining, and slightly weird. <laughs>